Chamonix's got a very steep learning curve. The, the, the easy stuff is not easy here. It gets serious very quickly. From Transylvania Mountain Festival, I am Anka Berlo, and this is a summer edition of the podcast recorded in Chamonix. Our guest for today is Charlie Radcliffe, community manager for the North Face in Chamonix, blogger and cake aficionado. Happiest when he is in the mountains climbing, skiing and running, he moved in Chamonix in 2014 to live the dream of a more balanced life between working and the great outdoors. As an aspiring alpinist and adventurer, he is currently focusing on seeing where he can take his love of climbing rock of all kinds, frozen waterfalls and steep alpine north faces. Welcome, Charlie, to the podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me, Anka. Thank you for joining, Charlie. So, out of all the places in the world, why Chamonix? I, I was very late to all of this. Um, I discovered alpinism and Mont Blanc and, uh, and Chamonix in 2010, where I was dating someone at the time and they wanted to go and climb Mont Blanc. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. From London, with no idea about what it was involved. I'd never put crampons on, I'd never tied into a rope. I had no idea, completely ignorant, but just it sounded cool. And we came on a week-long guided trip to learn the basics and with the objective at the end of the week of climbing Mont Blanc. And it all went well. We got to the top at the end of the week, but my mind was blown. My eyes were just open to this world that although I'd skied and and snowboarded in a resort sense in sort of Trois-Vallées and, and places like that, I'd never knew, I was never really in the mountains, not properly, not like I was on Mont Blanc. And it, this whole world was opened up to me and Chamonix was just so clearly the centre of it. It was so clearly just this incredible town with all the different sports you could possibly want to do with people of all different levels and so much history you read anything about climbing anything about steep skiing and big mountains and and so many people learnt their trade learnt their skills in this town how did your life look before living here I haven't had the most conventional life, but for, for the five years or so before Chamonix, I was working in London. I'd lived in Spain before that and a few other places, but I was settled in London. I had worked in various startups, technology companies, and I had started my own web design agency. So I was building websites and offering digital marketing to uh, small businesses in London. And so I, was, I had quite a lot of freedom, you know, working for myself. I could choose my timings and how I worked, but I still worked very hard and had this dream of creating an application and selling it for millions and then becoming famous in, in the technology world. And then I discovered um, Chamonix, climbing, alpinism. And very quickly it became something that I was very motivated to see what I could do with it. I was enjoying a, a very strong relationship with a guide who looked after me, mentored me at the beginning. And we'd swap services. I'd build a website. And he'd... Was it the guy that guided you uh, on, on Mont Blanc? Mont Blanc? Yeah, and on the way down from Mont Blanc, just at the end, he was like, oh, I kind of need a website. And I was a bit like, ah, oh, I kind of want to learn more about climbing. And we started swapping skills. And we had this, we built a really good friendship. And now we climb together as peers. It's wonderful. It's really fun. We're still friends. Um, he still lives here. And What's his name? Robin Beadle. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Robin Beadle was the exact man's guy. Robin Beadle, who, who, who mentored me at the beginning, really mm-hmm. showed me. I was very keen to become an independent climber. I was very appreciative of his guiding. But I, would, I wanted to explore for myself. And he gave me a lot of the raw skills and 
information I needed to start taking those steps and really supported me in that. Which is really important when you come to Chamonix and in the Alps because, well, it's a quite of a risky area it is. for a beginner. Chamonix has got a very steep learning curve. The, the, the easy stuff is not easy here. It gets serious very quickly. And people often recommend going to Arola and, and these other Alpine towns, which are great. You can get high very easily um, and get a lot of experience. But it's not Chamonix. It's, mm. You learn a lot here. If, you, if you're willing to throw yourself in, you learn a lot. And so I was working with startups and, and spending more and more time in Chamonix, more and more time in the Alps, climbing, learning. And I had a business that was going okay. I had investors. And then after about a year and a half, it just didn't work. We, we reached the end of the road. I was completely burnt out. We'd run out of money. Um, my investors had said, do you want more money? Do you think we can do this if we carry on? And with some honest reflection, we just realised... It was if, if this was going to work, it was going to take five years. And no one had enough money to bankroll the, the business for another five years. It was maybe one year before we had to be profitable to make it viable. What was that doing? It was uh, fundraising, a charity fundraising and fitness applications. The idea was, I mean, in the UK, if you do anything like running a marathon, long cycle ride, it's always for charity. It's always mm-hmm. trying to make, you know, using what you're doing as a way to raise money for charity and raise awareness. It's a very common goal in the UK was about combining the training and preparation for these events. So much of, of, say, the London Marathon, one of the biggest fundraising events in the world, everyone focuses on raising money for 26.2 miles. I was My idea was that I have to run 400 miles as part of training. So why don't we support the training, support that, provide structured training to help develop people, to get them strong, get them fit to the finish line, but also to minimise the risk for charities that if they've got to raise £2,000, which is... This the average you have to raise for the London Marathon because it's so expensive for the charities to have the place. It's a high risk. You could get to race day and someone's raised 500 and you could end up losing money on that person. So by spreading the fundraising out over six months rather than a month, there's more chance of success. And it worked. We, we worked with Oxfam, Breakthrough Breast Cancer, Scope, Mind, like some really big charities. But it wasn't enough. It was... It, it, it required more investment than we had to get it to the point where it'd be a viable business. Off the back of that, I was completely burnt out. I'd given it everything. And to work to recover, I came to Chamonix for three months over the summer to just decompress, try and sort my head out and just re- get, find rebalance in my life. And it was just this awesome summer. It was this great summer. It was the summer I met Cosmin and a few other people that I'm sure you know I'm still friends with today, which is amazing. And at the end of the summer, I was like, I need to go home. I need to make sort some things Sort things out. <laughs> and, but I was, I was tired. I'd been self-employed running my own business for so long that I craved stability. I craved someone else to kind of take a bit of the stress off my plate. And so I worked for another, I decided to work for another startup which was great. It was more in ad technology, but it was a similar field to what I was used to. And But within six months, I went back and started in September. I came to Chamonix again at Christmas for, for ice climbing. And in January, I just realised that my this life... This place is calling you. Well, my life was just not... It was the balance was wrong. You know, that I was working so hard to buy a life that I might never get to because I might never have the success I needed or maybe I don't even live long enough. Whereas I could just go now and do it for less money and live the life I want to live now. 
And so then I moved here in May 2014, six years ago. And I'd love to say I've not looked back, but there are definitely times you I've wondered over the years whether it's the right decision, but now this place is my home. This just feels where I... I feel I found where I belong. And the community. Remember before we recorded this uh, interview, we were talking about the importance of uh, mm. the mountaineering community and how nice it is. And then it's a basically a global community where people are very mobile, very dynamic. Um, mm. And well, the advantage of coming to a place such, this, such as this, which is a mecca for mountain mm. uh, sports, is that, well, you can make friends from all over the world and you can travel so much much more easier having local absolutely. guides <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's amazing that the, the year-round permanent resident community here i find that very important I, i've lived in uh, spain for instance for a couple of years and i had to leave because it was too mobile where i'd lived people moved around too much and so you lost that Connection. foundation well and it's connection you had connections all over the world i was very lucky to know people all over the world but i was like i need people here I was tired of making friends every few months. You know, I wanted, you know, yeah. a real community to be a part of it. And I found that here. It took a long time. I think people are quite cautious here about how they open up just because people come and go all the time. And it is amazing. I love the fact that I can go to Yosemite. I can go to skiing in Japan, climbing in Yosemite, Alpine up in Alaska. And if I don't know someone there, I know someone who knows someone there. And I'll find a local connection. It's amazing. It's an incredible community. But also the community that, that chooses to live in this place and chooses to make Shami their home. And I consider the French in that as well. I don't think this is a purely international thing. I think everyone has to make a very conscious decision to stay here. Uh, it's easier to go to a big city and find better work or easier work or, or, or just move to an easy, a bigger place. So everyone, no matter where they're from, local to, to uh, international, chooses to be here. And there's something really special about that, that sort of passion that everyone's here for the maybe not exactly the same reason but for the same passion the same fire inside them whatever their sport might be for the mountain exactly but this um this requires some sacrifices and uh, hmm. sacrifices compromises how do we call them yeah i think that i, I came from this background of Although as independent, still quite a corporate you know, commercial business world and you come to Shaman and it's, it's not. It's things run at their own pace in their own way. People's priorities are different. Um, it took a few years to sort of align myself with that or decide if I wanted to align myself with that. And uh, with that comes sacrifices of maybe my career would have been different. Well, my career, God, 100% would have been different if I had stayed in London. But the importance of being in the mountains whether it is simply hiking through to ultra running through to ice climbing alpinism skiing i don't fly yet but i can see that with flying and, and, and other other sports just being having that as a daily part of my life is incredibly important being able to wake up and just oh i'm gonna go run today i'm gonna go climb today is the mountain is so close and that's unique even in the rest of europe the rest of the alps it's unique how incredible the access is here i can wake up five minutes from my house i'm at the aigui de midi 20 minutes later i'm at 3,800 meters in one of the most serious alpine environments in the world it's it's crazy it's amazing 
Like you can get a volume here. When you're, you know, I came here, wanting to learn. I, I treated my arrival here as sort of an apprenticeship, who I could learn from and how I could grow as a person and as an independent climber, skier, runner. And the volume you can get here is just unparalleled. No one else has that access because the list is further away. The mountains are bigger. It's amazing what you can do in the Cascades in North America or the Himalayas, but you need weeks, months, you know, so much time to achieve anything there. Whereas here it's like, oh, I'll get the lift up, go do a lap of the Cosmic Sorette and I'm back down by 11 o'clock and I can get on with work. Does your present life match a bit your expectations? Because we were also talking about people coming here, dreaming of a life in Chamonix, but coming with a background from a urban or less urban life with a different model of living and then needing to adjust. How was your mm. experience? I'm definitely not doing what I thought I'd be doing. 100%. Moving here six years ago, so I worked in technology. I assumed I'd be commuting or I'd be working consulting remotely with 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 organizations and after a year or two here i realized i wanted to be part of the community here and so i wanted to work with people in town i wanted to give back to the community i wanted to be a part of it and offer more than just sort of kind of using the place you know not in a you know kind of sounds quite negative but i I wanted to be i wanted everything i did to be a part of the community plus it's uh quite tiring to commute and is that (laughs) exactly it felt like i had one foot in town one foot out of town and i wanted both feet squarely in Chamonix. I was like, no, this is where I want to make my home, put my foundations down. And God, if I was to say six years ago, this is what I'd be doing, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, it's it's evolved very naturally. It's it's something that's grown and, and evolved as the opportunities come along. Uh, yeah. Would you say Chamonix is a beginner-friendly place? I learned everything here. So I'd be hypocritical to say it's not. I, I agree with the common consensus that it's a hard place to be a beginner because it's serious. It gets very serious very quickly. Ski touring here, the easy ski tours actually have quite a lot of objective risk in them and can have steep sections that if, you know, if you're just learning is difficult. The rock climbing, you know, you can have Gaillon do some, some sport climbing, but as soon as you want to get into the more serious climbing, the level again jumps up very quickly. And so on one level, maybe it's not so beginner friendly, but I, I learned here and I wouldn't have chosen any. I would, don't regret that. I don't wish I'd learned anywhere else. What I've found is that though there are amazing people around here, very strong, the world's best in, in so many different sports, there are actually a lot of people with very normal levels, very normal goals and very normal aspirations, achievable aspirations, achievable goals, and achievable levels. And they're very willing to share. And you can find these great little pockets of communities who are motivated by the same things as you. And, and each season, it kind of you meander between groups a little bit, finding new people and go, oh, wow, we can go do some stuff together. Some people, it's just like, let's go hike and camp. Other people, it's like, well, let's go running. Other people, it's let's go rock climbing. And you end up just meeting lots of different people who can share. And people are very willing to share here, I find. Share their experience, share their motivation. Mm-hmm. There are quite a lot of uh, top athletes. There well. are. And then you have this incredible, for me, I find incredibly inspiring. Uh, I can see how sometimes it gets said that it's very competitive in Chamonix, that it's uh, cliquey and, and it can be quite closed because of this very high level. I find it almost the opposite where that actually makes it really open for me because you have 
these incredibly inspiring strong athletes who I can never even dream of being close to. But I get to see them on the f- like front row. You know, you, you get the lift off the midi and like you start going in towards something and you see someone else and you're like, whoa, that's that guy going to do that. You know, that's Leo Slemek going to ski that. That's, you know, Colin Haley going to climb this. It's, it's you know, you, you're on the front row and fine, you might be on easier, more normal routes and ski descents, but you're in the same environment as these guys. And that's just inspiring. That's just exciting for me that these are the same paths that they have taken to get better and fine, they've gone way up there through, but through dedication still, through dedication exactly through through commitment and no matter how talented someone is uh it requires hard work and experience and commitment and that takes time and i think here's a great place to find like-minded people that allow you to achieve that which uh, leads me to a question about um, incoming athletes mm. people who are very good in their country and they decide to to try their life in Chamonix, hmm. what would be the proper mindset? Because in your country, you're very good, and then you come here and you meet all these other people. I can see that. I mean, for, as I came here as a beginner, I haven't come from this journey, so for me it's never been an issue because I'm, you know, I still consider myself deeply average. Like, <laughs> I am fortunate enough to go in the mountains with a lot of people and, and my level has certainly gone up, but I still consider myself... Um, pretty average but you work with with the but i get to work with these you know these top, how they think i know. do and uh well oh, an understanding Partly. appreciation yeah. of how they think maybe <laughs> i think i see what i see the most and you see the people that thrive the most here um are the people that come in with humility it doesn't matter how good you see some of the literally the strongest runners through my job i've met some of the strongest runners strongest climbers some of the strongest skiers in the world And they always seem to have a humility of like, I, you know, I'm good, I know what I'm doing. But the locals here know the mountain better, they know the conditions better, they are more experienced in this is their area and giving that respect. And I think when people come in here of all levels, you know, normal person, human levels through to the elite, if you come in with that open mind, that acceptance that what you know is valuable, And what you're experienced already is valuable and has, has, has merit. But if you open up to what whoever locally locally can show you and teach you, then you're going to go and experience so much more. And I, I think that's the same everywhere. I think that everything I've learned here, when I've gone to other areas to go climb, to go ski, it's amazing to go in there being on something that maybe in Chamonix, be like, oh, this is easy. I know what I'm doing here. But go into it with a really open mind and, and follow and learn from the locals of their knowledge of the area and how they do it. And, and then you can only grow as a person and you can only enjoy it more and you can only get better. Having an open mind and... Uh... I mean, yeah, Socratic approach. We're always students, you know, we're mm-hmm. always learning. Every time you go and do anything in the mountains, I was you know, at the Cosmic Sorette two days ago with some friends. I cannot count the number of times I've done it. But every single time I've done it, I've learned something. Which uh, would be the project you are most proud of? That you feel that you maybe learned most out of? Climbing or...? Since you've been here in the Chamonix, to make it more specific. <laughs> It's a difficult one, that, because I guess I haven't really had a specific project or you know, one accomplishment, would I say? No, that's not true. This winter... Um, This winter we had some pretty exceptional mixed climbing conditions and these very rarely formed ice mixed routes came in 
And one of them, the Rebu Fatere, has been a route that I first heard about about a year before I moved here. A friend of mine was a local guide and he just climbed it. And the way he talked about it, it was just like the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh my God, the, the style of climbing, the way they had to approach it, the way they had to simul climb easy sections and then pitch the hard and the getting down late. It, just, it was just this whole all-encompassing experience that summed up the type of climbing I wanted to pursue. And for me, I, I find myself most motivated by, by ice and mixed climbing. And it's at the back of my mind for years to climb this route. You see it, you look at it, oh, is it forming, is it forming? Oh, not quite. Some people go for it much stronger and, you know, they can climb it in any condition, whereas I need to be a bit more careful. And and these routes came in, classically beyond good and evil, which is this very rarely formed line. Um, yeah, and everybody then went to it. Everyone went to it. <laughs> but then also everyone went to beyond good and evil and everyone left the Rebu Fatari alone. And a friend of mine climbed it and he said it was amazing. He said it was actually the only negative he found was that actually it was so well formed it was almost a bit too easy he was like oh he's expecting a bit more of a challenge when i got on it um i had to do two tries because i went in with a friend we skied in from the first lift and we got stuck behind a slow party and we got to the beginning we got through most got about half the route but the hard climbing is at the top half and we got to the bottom of the first hard pitch and we had a decision to make. We either carry on climbing, in which case we're going to be skiing down to town in pretty bad snow by head torch, or we just bail now and we can get back to the lift and we can just have an easier day. And though disappointed, we were going to be very slow behind these people. It was just, it was just too, you couldn't climb at the same time because they were kicking so much stuff down. So it was just, we made the decision. Mm-hmm. The moment I got down, I didn't regret the decision, but I wanted to, I was like, but this is the River Fatere and it doesn't have long left. The temperatures are going up, people are climbing it. Like it's literally a week maximum and this route will be gone. And that evening I found someone who wanted to go up the next day. So 24 hours later, but this time we did a different approach. We stayed in the hut and then we went to climb it on the day after. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences I've had. It was exactly what I hoped from when I first heard of the route. I... We moved well on the easy stuff. Then when we got to the hard stuff, I had this great dynamic with someone I'd never climbed with before. I've known him for a long time, but we'd never tied into a rope together. And I go on to probably my hardest route I've ever done. And luck would have it that I got the two hardest pitches and I felt great on them. And it sort of got to the top. And it was this sense of achievement of how far I've come in six years from having no idea how to get there. No idea if I'll ever be able to get to that level. Mm-hmm. To not just climbing the route but enjoying it every moment it was just pure fun the whole time a little scary at times but it was just this culmination of years of hard work that came together on one day it's it's amazing that i always feel as i feel average or you know what do i know what have i learned and then i find myself in certain situations and you're like oh i actually know what i'm doing here it sneaks up on you. I, I've really appreciated that here, that you, you surround yourself by the right people and you build these really amazing relationships, friendships, partnerships. And you just, before you know it, you're doing things that you never even dreamed of. And The yeah. environment pushes you. It does, absolutely. I mean, the environment, it's, it's inspiring here. I do, I think, like everyone, I suffer from FOMO sometimes, like you fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. 
but most of the time I try and convert that into the positive energy of motivating me to go further. Um, and or sometimes scaring me off. You know, sometimes I think I want to do something and then I see some people doing it and I'm like, ooh, no, no, that's not for me. You know, you start to learn your limits, what, where you want to draw the line. That's very important because the perceived level of normal here, it's um, higher than other places. It is. The skill level is high, for sure. But the acceptance of risk is very high here as well, which I'm, I think we all battle with. Where do we have that line of what's acceptable? When is it too dangerous? And everyone's got a different mark on that scale. And that's based on their experience, their uh, mood on the day, their fitness, all sorts of things play into how much bandwidth some, someone might feel they have on a given day. And so you see someone do something that is just so out there, but you hope for them on that day that was within their realms of what they well, is, is acceptable. And it's it's incredible to see. How did you start collaborating with the TNF? That, how did that start? How did I start with Northwest? It started through my blog, if I'm honest. So I, I was writing a blog when I first moved here. I started writing a blog as a way to help channel what I was learning and share it with people who might want to do the same. And they contacted me to ask if I just wanted to go and do a race with them. They were sponsoring the Lavaredo Ultra Trail over in the Dolomites. And they said, there's a 20K race, you know, the, the small race. Do I want to come and run it? They'll take me over there and I just get the experience. And I was like, oh, all right, why not, hey? And so I met some of the North Face uh, marketing team and athletes there. And I had this great experience where I ran the race. My race was on the Wednesday and the, the main race, the, the, the 120K Lavaredo Ultra Trail was on Friday night. And I just was there for the weekend. So they were sort of looking after me for a few days. And after that, I was like, well, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to miss the race. And... Mike Foote, one of their elite runners, was in need of someone to help crew look after him during the race. And I was like, I've never done it before, but I'll give it a try. And I spent 18 hours from 11pm looking after him. And How many with, were they? Hmm? How many were they? Runners. Yeah. Oh, several thousand. And I was just looking up. I was looking after Mike. Okay. And he got very sick. He was meant to be sort of like, he was up there, I think he was the number one seat, so he really should have won the race. But he got stomach problems and he was being sick for most of the race so it was a really difficult race for him but I witnessed this elite it's the first time I'd really been up close to an elite level athlete and then seen how they respond to problems and this mm -hmm. was a pretty bad problem which throwing up the whole time but he kept on going and it was an amazing experience I shared with a lot of the North Face staff and I, staff and I got to know them and one thing led to another and then around the UTMB about three months later they said oh we're, we're going to do an event in Chamonix around UTMB so we're going to do a shoe test do you know anyone who can uh, you know, organise this, organise that? And I was like, I can do it. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. And so I started and I organised, helped organise the event for them that, that mm. weekend. And then off the back of that, they're like, well, you know, we're starting this community project in London, the major cities first, London, Paris and Munich or Berlin. Munich was first. And the idea being to create a community for training and preparation to encourage people to go from city life into the outdoors they're still ongoing they are and so it started off with london paris and munich and then phase two was always going to be well chamonix was going to be included in phase two uh, as, along with berlin stockholm milan 
And now we have Manchester and Bolzano. We had Cologne for a bit, but that was uh, we we're still sort of working that one out. And so they said, oh, look, when we do Chamonix, we'd love you to be the community manager. And one thing led to another. And after about six months, the, the project was working well enough in London, was working well enough in, in Paris. And then we got the okay from the bosses to say, right, well, you can start phase two, which included Chamonix. And so that started 2016, was it? Summer 2016, summer 2017. A number of years ago. Correct. And it started off with summer of training and, and then encouraging people into the outdoors with like guided trail runs, film nights with the athletes, Q&As with the athletes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a dream job. It's awesome. I get to sort of come up with cool ideas that I want to do with people I want to hang out with. And then it's, you know... I get to put it on it's it's amazing it's inspiring and it's uh, it gave me a place in the community that I was looking for before how does a day in your life as a community manager look like when you're busy the busiest time without a doubt is UTMB for me we have 10 15 20 athletes um, who are all here we have normally about four or five events which include a couple of testing product testing There'll be some sort of Q&A and then also there'll always be a party night as well, sort of celebrate a pre-race pre, pre uh, race party. But also like everyone's in town. Uh, all the major runners are here, but also like senior management. Like it's a very intense time making sure that we represent North Face because it's a huge brand with a very strong reputation and brand. And it needs to be represented in the right, right way in town. It needs to be delivered on in the right way. And so those days, it's 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 crazy. Like the moment you wake up, it's it's organising the shoes for the shoe test. Then you take everyone on a run. Then after the run, you've got to prep for the evening event. Um, the athletes, generally a lot of the athletes have their friends, families, partners who are crewing them. But not always, especially if they're coming from America, it's too expensive to bring all these people along. So I'll find members of our community who will volunteer and help them through their races. And But it's exciting. I, it's, it's It's been four years that I've been working at the UTMB now and I love it because I've really become a part of the trail running world I've got to know these people they're now my friends and I get to see them and I get to look after them in my hometown show them the new restaurants that are open show them some new trails I've discovered maybe take them climbing if they're runners so they can sort of have an easy day on their legs you know it's just it just it's a great time for me to kind of show off what Chamonix is and why I love it so much. And they all love it anyway. They've all been coming for years, but it's just a nice moment to really share it with them. How was your UTMB experience last year? I saw you in a Trient in the support area assisting a North Face athlete. I was supporting Paddy O'Leary, who is an Irish runner, but well, he's Irish, but is on the US team because he's based in San Francisco. Uh, by day, Paddy is a medical researcher who is doing amazing work in working towards curing cancer. When he's not doing that, he is also an incredibly strong trail runner and has been moving up through the races and, and achieving more. He recently took a bit of a sabbatical from his day job and with the aim of going back home to Ireland, where he's from, to run to get the fastest known time on what's called the Wicklow Round, which is just outside Dublin which he did and made this great film, a really, really great film coming home. And so he left Ireland as a university level lacrosse player and then went to San Francisco where he did his postgraduate and, and was working. 
and discovered trail running. There's an incredibly strong trail running community in San Francisco, mm-hmm. in the marine headla- headlands, just the opposite side of the Golden Gate Bridge. And he discovered trail running and he had this natural talent. He's a very fast road runner and he transferred into trail running at a very high level very quickly. Bastard. <laughs> and he then joined the North Face team and, and, and sort of, but he'd never really run in Ireland. And so he had come over for that project. And I met him several years before. I can't remember what the first event was. I think it might have been at UTMB when he was doing one of the shorter races. And as soon as he was coming for UTMB, I had a text off him in like March being like, Charlie, I'm doing UTMB. You better be correct me. And he's like, I got on so well with the guy. I was like, hell yeah, of course I will. You got me. And um, so it's great. So he, he I, I know him very well. We, we run together a bit and he got here and we just sort of started hanging out more, getting to know, getting, you know, we know each other, but like really getting to understand how he wanted to be looked after. Because everyone's different. Some people want pats on the back and cheering and, and this. Other people just want a bit of quiet and space. And knowing how to look after someone when they're really struggling is, is difficult. But we got on very well and we started the race. Uh, he didn't have the race he wanted because of some stomach issues. I seem to maybe be jinxing the runners I look after with stomach issues. But no, it's a frequent. <laughs> I think it is, isn't it? <laughs> so he had a bit of stomach issues, which was not great, but he still did a great time. Uh, but it was a real battle. I was, I was really fortunate to hang out with three of his friends as well. So there's a group of four of us who were looking after him, uh, which was amazing. Like one, a couple who one Irish, one American, but he knows from the States and another Irish runner who was, had been running another race. And, you know, it's a nice atmosphere. It is. I mean, you you go through the night, you're all there together, supporting each other and everyone's tired and it starts off obviously really intense because everyone's close together. It's really kind of frantic. And then, you know, 12 hours in, everyone's getting tired, but the race spreads out a bit more. There's less panic and kind of people are settling into the race they're going to have and again much like the first time with Mike and Lavaredo it's amazing to get a front row seat on how people at that level race to the point where it's like completely skewed my understanding of how you're meant to race like I talk to people who are more my level and I'm like oh you need to do this you need to do that and they're like no we don't we take it a lot easier like it's it's just it's amazing to be that close um and see it and and support it and you really are a part of the event with them uh, it's always so appreciated and then the the relief and celebration of finishing is just it's an amazing experience it's a really wonderful sort of family you make there and really close friends and very memorable yeah it's a great uh, event and great atmosphere in Chamonix during mm. UTMB during these events it's like all the community all these three countries come together mm. supporting one idea one it, experience it's like collective experience the vibe is nice it is isn't it it doesn't matter what level you're at like I love the fact that you see you know the people who came in winning top 10 top 50 top 100 you know the, the, the top level athletes they're standing at the finish line when people are coming in 12 hours later, cheer, it's just every level is all in it together. And what's quite special about trail running still is that you have these people that are absolute rock stars in terms of performance and and reputation. And they're just walking around town and like hanging out and doing their thing and supporting everyone else. And it's just, it's a really amazing experience. You can never have that in, in a lot of other sports. And at the moment it's still possible with this, that people are, 
I think, you know, Killian and people probably have a harder time, but most of the top level athletes are able to walk around without problem and without just enjoying it and being a part of the community and getting to enjoy that aspect of it as well. Yeah, well, too bad we don't have it this uh, this summer. But uh, is uh, the North Face preparing something for this year? Although we know it's quite uncertain what's going to happen. We do have something in the pipeline. But it is something that is... Secret. Just at the moment. <laughs> it is. It and is we'll just find be... out a bit later. You will. It's, it, it's something... There are plans to do something. Obviously, with the impact of coronavirus, COVID-19... Everyone's had to change their plans. And now we're looking at what we can do to still contribute to community, to still uh, contribute to trail running, but it'll be in a different way. And I think it is a shame. Loads of races, almost all races, I mean, every race up until September, I think, has been cancelled. It's very sad. But also, like, next year's going to be incredible. You know, next year, it's just going to be so much energy. Everyone's just going to be like, oh, I missed it for a year. You enforced rest. Maybe people are going to come back fitter. People come back more motivated. People will be very eager, I believe. I think travel. so. But then also, I mean, you see what Xavier Tevenot, who's a, you know, who won three, four UTMBs, three. Um, it's... It's an opportunity with people not being able to travel. It's a lot of, it seems an opportunity for people to reflect about whether they want to travel or maybe making the most of what they've got on their doorstep. We're very fortunate. Chamonix is a destination that a lot of people come to and dream of coming to. So our doorstep is pretty cool. It was a great place to be confined in. It was not a bad one. I mean, the, the one kilometre, <laughs> 100 metres was difficult. But at Especially least... Especially if you were outside Chamonix, it was even better. Yeah, but it was at least the views were nice. Thankfully, we had good weather. But I think people have started to reassess how far they want to travel for something. Do, do you really want to travel halfway around the world for a race? Is it worth it? What's the environmental impact of that? Like People are starting to reassess what's important in their life. So although it's great we're going to be able to travel more as, as things start to open up, I think what's really amazing is people are appreciating what they've got more close to home yeah and i see all these um small community family friends projects emerging like okay there are no races let's make our own little race or more exactly like people are getting creative you know mm -hmm. it's like what's the yeah you know, the, the classic trail running goal of a fkt a fastest known time like they're coming people are trying them all over the place and that's great you've got time in your area to go and see how fast you can run your favorite trail and discovering new crags, new areas to go climbing, just go camping not far from your house. I think it's people have become really creative and really starting to celebrate where they are. Not always where they're from, just where they are and where they decide to make their home. And talking about creativity, how was your cake challenge in the confinement? You'd had two editions, right? Oh, we had, <laughs> we had six, I think. Oh, six, I didn't see them. So we had eight weeks of confinement and we started in week three. Yeah, we had six great confinement bake-offs. It was, it was so nice. It was a really nice way to connect, stay connected with people. And I, I had the idea almost immediately, as soon as we were locked down, I was like, we should do, I wanted to do something like this. But then I got coronavirus, I had COVID-19, so I was sick for the first two weeks. So I was like, I had no motivation to do any cooking. And... I like the idea of doing it and sharing it and having this idea that we can't taste each other's cakes. So you have to sell it on the photos and the story. 
much like they do on the TV show. And uh, so I started, yeah, the little group and it just kind of grew and really took off. And everyone loved it. We Every week we had a different theme from sort of generally just baking a cake through to savoury, through to, um, God, what did we have? We had cookies one time and we had, oh, what did we have? I can't remember what I made now. But it was just, it was just this great way to have something to look forward to, to know what day of the week it was. And to have something to look forward to, uh, where we could share it and celebrate it and have all day working on it. And it's left an impact as well. So this summer, one of the local bars has asked if we can revive the Bake Off as an in-person challenge. And the idea being that everyone can bring their cakes, that people buy the slices now, buy and take and try everyone else's. And then we'll use it to raise money for charity. We can use it as a, a way to sort of support a local business, support a local cause or... We haven't quite worked out the final details yet, but it will be along those lines of having a celebration, a grand reunion of everyone who was part of it. Because, well, although it wasn't all Chamonix, we had obviously a significant number of people were in Chamonix, but we had people in Germany, the UK, North America, like Canada and the States, all over the States, like three or four different pockets in the States. And it was just amazing, just these people trying to wrestle time zones and working out how they can post at the right time and share their stories and yeah it was it was so nice it was really fun thanks for listening to transylvania mountain festival podcast with anka berlo If you want to know more about the event, check out www.transylvaniamountainfestival.ro where you can also enter this year's mountain film and mountain photography competition. Also, if you like our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and give us a rating. It really helps.